Hey everyone, happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. Hello, this is Sam. Uh, one thing that we have consistently uh, neglected to do on our show is to thank our audience. Uh, we did not expect that our show would grow as quickly as it has, and uh, it's really because of all you listeners and your support and your recommendations to others. So we really, really appreciate your listening. Um, We've had some great guests and a lot of fun recording the show. So please uh, go ahead and review us if you can. Uh, I don't even know how that exactly works, but uh, I'm sure you can find us on whatever podcast player you're using. Subscribe to it, please. Uh, Give us a review and then recommend us to your friends if you would, because that is always very helpful to us. So thank you very much. On with the show. Right. I think there's one in Southdale. Is there? There's oh, one no. in Rosedale. In oh, Rosedale. Rose, is that by you? No. Uh-uh. Oh. So we oh, can't uh-huh. go there tonight. Shoot. Yeah. Uh, like what are you guys talking about, by the way, since we started we're podcast talking one? To, we're talking about earrings. I know, but we were in the midst of a conversation. I turned it on, which you know I like to do. Right. So we're recording. So we're talking about earrings. Earrings in Forever 21. And I'll, you know what? I'll take it on myself today to uh, introduce our guest because, because it was through a connection of mine that we were clued into who you are and what you're doing. Um, so we've got uh, Kate Sutton Johnson with Welcome, us today. Kate. Welcome, Kate. Welcome. I got you. it right. I sort of tend to, you get a little nervous and mess names. that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I never it. say anyone's it. name. I'm always nervous. Well, I always say it wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 Even right. with people that I know <laughs> really well. <laughs> so we, we have spent a few minutes uh, getting Kate uh, sort of associated with what it is we do no i wasn't looking for the last name yeah yeah. no i knew that i was but i'm gonna call you kate from here on out i can do that i don't have to put the whole (laughs) the whole thing at the end it's not that formal right a lot of people call me ksj oh really oh i like that ksj is kate okay though yes yes. yeah because that's ksj i have to remember all different things yeah do you know how many kates i know kate is easy for me great yeah um, anyway. Well, thanks for coming in, Kate. Yes, thank you. My pleasure. Thank yes. you. Jim, you want to do a weather check? <laughs> it's so dumb. We do it all I the know. time. But anyways, yeah, it's Wednesday afternoon. And it's hot. Oh, no, it's not. It's Monday. It's Monday. Is it oh Monday today? Yeah, yeah, dude. Monday. It could be Thursday. or It depends on where you are in the universe, right. Right. dimension you're right. in. I'm just thinking about Wednesday because... You know, holiday week. Yeah, it's 4th of July week. It's like your Friday already. Yeah, yeah I, I well, kind of. Yeah, we were, exactly. we were just talking about how we kind of work for ourselves, and it's like mm, holidays have a weird connotation now. Right. I sort of like that everyone's out of town and, and it's there's quiet. There's no one around, right? Yeah. This week seems fixing to be real quiet around these parts. Fixing. Yeah. Do you it's have very Fourth cloudy. of July plans? I do. What are you doing? Uh, my husband and I are traveling to see my parents to throw my dad a 70th birthday party. Oh, is it oh. a surprise? No. Oh, okay. No. And where where is the party? Richmond, Virginia. Oh. Yeah. So traveling are you Are you driving or flying? <laughs> no, we're flying. Okay. We're flying. okay. Where do you fly into Richmond? Yeah. I, I lived spent some time in, uh, down in Roanoke. Because yeah, Kate was in Roanoke, his wife and I lived in DC for 
many years. So Arlington, but that's basically. Yeah, that's where my dad's Virginia. family is from. Oh. Yeah, Arlington, I love Virginia. Virginia, the horse country. Yeah. Mm. That's a pretty That'll state. Be fun. I appreciate it a lot more now that I'm not living there. Right. <laughs> I had it's to move away to realize that. I it was know, right? Pretty interesting. Yep. And yeah. You go back and. Well, good. Isn't that always true though that it you very, have to that you have to leave the true. place? Yep. To figure out like, oh, I really do like the people I, because you know it. Like you, you. It's the there's it's like comfort food to go back and and have all of your goofball friends do all the things they've always done. Even yeah. though you, when you were younger, you're In like, your God, family. I can't wait to get away from this for a while. Yeah. Well, and I also think some of it's aesthetics, and that maybe too. that sounds really, I don't know, no. not as sentimental, but it's so much older than that part of the country than it is here. So I think after I lived here for a while and kept going home, I was struck by like, you know, there's just all these like old trees and old architecture and cobblestone streets. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Being I a was design going person, to I'm totally into that. Sure. You can appreciate yeah. it in that environment. More. Yeah. feels kind of like it has a little bit of soul that sometimes it's harder to Missing find here. here. Yeah. Right. So how did you make the transition from Virginia to here? Uh, well, I was in undergrad right before I moved here. So I got a job before I graduated to come out here to work at the Guthrie Theater. Okay. So uh, I was going to school in Winston-Salem, North mm-hmm. Carolina, at mm-hmm. North Carolina School of the Arts. Oh, okay. And the Guthrie sent somebody to a job fair that we had. And I interviewed for a position that was open and got hired and just moved out of he- out here right out, out of school. And so what what were your first impressions of Minnesota, Minneapolis? You know, um, I mean, I was so I was so locked into trying to make my way in that role in that job. Um, I don't know that I remember having a lot of like really strike striking um, impressions of Minnesota specifically, like right away. I think it was a few years in that I started to feel like, oh, I get this is kind of a different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I met the guy that I'm now married to right away, and we started dating maybe six weeks after I moved here. So. Oh wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so, you know, I kind of got um, locked into, or not locked into, but I got really drawn into becoming um, close with his friends. And is he from here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, I kind of tried to network my way just kind of into his whole friend group. Sure. And was really fixated, fixated on that for a while. Okay. Um, you know, being new here, I didn't know anybody else, and right. I was dating this person, so I was kind of eager to, you know, be... on the end with his friends and all Mm -hmm. that stuff and so it wasn't until a few years into that that I realized like oh you know I don't think these are my people Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I liked them all very much but I hadn't really found my own (laughs) sure I hadn't really found like my own people that I would have probably gravitated to on my own if I had not been kind of hanging around with him and what he what he was up to so I kind of started over a little bit in Mm -hmm. a way Mm -hmm. Um, but interestingly I kind of circled back to some people that I had met really early on that I was able to kind of connect with and build relationships with later. And that was cool because I felt like then I did sort of have um, roots with them going a little further back maybe. So, you know, I feel like now I have close friends that I did know when I moved here. And I guess I moved here in 2002. Okay. So, yeah. That's a a while back. So, Kate, maybe Mm -hmm. we should tell folks exactly what it is you do. Sure. Yeah. Well, and and I do want to get there. I, I really, really do. No, I, and I, I, but I'm going to interrupt for a reason. I want to know what position it is that, that the Guthrie, that straight out of college, you, you got a position, mm-hmm. as you said, and that brought you here. And that sort of will lead into 
what it is you do now anyway. We could keep it a secret for <laughs> But I'm wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, I mean, like, so, so you're in, you said Winston-Salem? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a job fair, and this piqued my curiosity because the only job fairs I've been to, like, you're applying for a minimum wage position yeah this was not that kind of job fair right so this is they were they were sort of actively seeking some of the Mm -hmm. best around coming out of college in a certain field correct and you ended up i mean the guthrie is a is a renowned yeah well well established Mm -hmm. place that's going to be looking for the best to do certain things And, and you ended up with a with the job with them correct what position was that it was the associate prop manager position okay so they were also in the process of hiring a prop manager. They had lost their management staff in that department and were trying to fill both of those roles. So I got hired as the associate and then um, another woman, uh, Patricia Olive, got hired to be the prop manager shortly after I got hired. Okay. So and that was a, that's a that pretty department. big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. would, the first question someone asked me when I arrived at the Guthrie that week was if I was the new intern. And I said, right. no, I'm the new manager. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I was, I was right. you know, young enough to be like their daughter. A right. lot of the people that I was managing were, you know, career craftspeople that had worked at the Guthrie for decades. Yeah. So well, yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to know, like, what kind of a job fair was that? Because it wasn't it wasn't for the Fiesta Casino in Las Vegas like mine was. No, when was. no. <laughs> different job fair. <laughs> different job fair. Different job yeah. fair. Totally. There are, there are right. a number a number of art schools that sort of feed the theater arts industry, um, and North Carolina School of the Arts is one of them. Um, as is Yale and Juilliard and. Etc. Mm-hmm. There's a few yeah. of them gotcha. that sort of, if you're getting out of that school, people in the profession know that you are going to have, um, that you're going to know how to step into a, mm. into the profession with a lot of sort of rigor, right? you know, and you're going to know what you're, what you're doing. Not that you're, you not were well be, taught by that. Not point. that you're not going to be green in certain ways, of course, cause you're young, but, but it's an aesthetic too, right? Well, f- I guess, you know, I wasn't hired for, for my aesthetic taste in that particular moment I was hired you know to be a, a manager that could organize um, you know a labor force and mm-hmm. keep track of budgets and and communicate with designers so I guess in that sense I had to have sort of the vocabulary to be able to talk to a designer and understand what he or she wants mm-hmm. and then communicate that to the staff so it didn't hurt having a design background but lots of people go into props that don't have aspirations to be designers hmm. um, but for me it was a stepping stone I was doing the prop thing as a as sort of a a good jump off point to kind of get myself to the next thing, which was to ultimately try to get myself into more of a freelance design, design role. But which is leading into what you do Jim's now, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so you want to explain, you want to answer yeah. his question yeah, well, now that I've circumvented yeah, now that you it, really interrupted and kind of went around this <laughs> whole know. thing, but that's okay. It's we all okay. have our little roles. I get it. Sure. I get it. I get it. Yes. All right, so Kate, yes, it sounds like you've, you know, you have musicals, plays, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Exhibitions, museum. Concepts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, yeah. So I, um, so after I left the Guthrie, um, I uh, started. And what year is this? This is in 2004. So I was there for two full seasons. All right. um, And then kind of launched and did my own thing. I briefly, um. Uh, had a staff position for less than a year at Mixed Blood Theater. I was sort of served as an interim production manager. 
Um, but it was also while I was designing a lot of their shows, so it was a hybrid role. But it was a it was a way of kind of getting myself from you know a full time position to a freelance position, kind of you know an off ramp, if you will. Um, but yeah, so I did freelance uh, set design for uh, probably eight years, I guess. And in that time, I also started sort of diversifying the kind of things I was doing, if you will. So in addition to doing set design for theater, I also started doing um, some corporate event design. So I was working with corporate clients that were hiring um, different acts, like they would have like a you know a headliner act that would play a corporate event. Um, and I would design the stage setup for that whole okay. series of things. So it was kind of, you know, uh, a combination of what you would think of as kind of a basic stage with a, a couple of projection screens and a lectern, but it could also like host Cindy Lauper. Mm. So, you know, it was more than just like, you know, a uh, lecture hall. It was actually like kind of, you know, more of a rock and roll kind of environment. So I did a little bit of that and then. Um, meanwhile, my husband, who also I, m- I met him at the Guthrie, he started a company called Industrial Artisans, and that company started building museum exhibits. And so I got kind of sucked into that world a little bit because um, while at School of the Arts, I had trained as a painter. Mm-hmm. And so I had all this scenic art background. And so some of the things that Grant was starting to work on um, needed a scenic artist they needed like these projects had scenic treatments and they needed to be um, painted by somebody that could you know replicate rust or brownstone or whatever whatever it right. was essentially faux finishing um, on a l- very large scale um, so I started doing that and then ca- kind of connected to all of these museum people and then ultimately started doing design work for them so I guess by the time I really got hooked into some of that museum work um, I was kind of working in all those different outlets um and then i shifted and and started doing a lot more museum work so that was in 2011 um and at that point i um, became a staff designer for the science museum of minnesota and i designed an an exhibition called maya hidden worlds revealed which was a massive touring exhibit it was like 15,000 square feet Um, i remember that one that was yeah oh cool good Yeah. yeah um yeah, so that, that was a tour and, and made its way around the United States. And I did a few other projects while I was at the Science Museum. And then um, and then I left that position and am now doing other exhibit design work and theater work. So I'm still kind of, I guess, I'm, I'm not really in that corporate event world anymore at all. Um, and, you know, it was a good experience. I learned a lot doing it, but I definitely feel like what I'm doing now is mm. more where my heart is. I feel like all the work I do now is about storytelling um, and all the work I do now is, um, you know, I'm able to do these kind of deep dives into subject matters that I'm really curious about. And so there's like a huge um, amount of, I I get to sort of feed my curiosity in these projects in a way that these corporate events, like really, there's just not that element to those, to those projects. So, so yeah, I don't know if that's, that's my cliff's notes of what yeah. I do, but I mean, <laughs> no, that's, that's, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, especially with, uh, some of the theater design. I mean, do you have a favorite that you're, I mean, what are you working on right now? I guess I should ask you that. Well, right now is kind of an in-between seasons moment. Mm-hmm. So I will, I will be working on, um, a production called Bernarda Alba, um, which is going to be actually just up the street at the Ritz. Um, otherwise theater wise, I'm not sure what else I'm doing this year. Right. Um, 
I just got done doing um, a production of Sweeney Todd, which was at the um, Oslo Repertory Theater in Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida. And that was a remount of a production I did here at the Ritz in 2016. Um, so that was awesome. It was so fun to remount it in a different space, um, but with a lot of the same cast members. Um, and last year, I also did Noises Off at the Guthrie, okay. which is, I don't know if you guys know that show, but it's ridiculous. It's a comedy. <laughs> it's really, really silly. Um, so yeah, I did that last year, and that, that set was wild. It was three turntables, so the whole center of the set rotated, and then there were two small turntables on the sides, and they were all kind of going topsy-turvy at once. And um, that's something about set design that I love. I mean, not every project has this, but when there are... When the sets are not only sort of telling the story through just whatever form they've taken, but if there's also sort of this kinetic quality to them mm-hmm. and the way that they move is sort of driving the story forward or, um, mm-hmm. you know, that there's something sort of um, about the psychology of the characters that is sort of being, um, I don't know, uh, reflected in the way the set is moving around. That's pretty fun. And and when it's a musical, it's also really fun to chore- sort of choreograph the set to to move with music. Um, so I spend a lot of time listening to what the, what the score is and understanding, you know, sort of the timing I have to get from this location to this location so I can figure out how to move all the pieces that need to change, you know, change position. So it's a puzzle. Yeah. Sounds like it. How how do you usually, what's your process? Like, how do you enter it? I, I know you mentioned like the deep dive, like what is the beginning stage? Yeah. So, I mean... You know, normally I'm starting with a script or a musical. Um, mm-hmm. So I just spend a lot of time like, with the material that everyone's going to have. Like, I'm working with the same material as the director, as the other designers. So that's kind of our um, our Bible. You know, we're starting with that. And so I just spend a lot of time with that. And then ultimately, it's usually me and the director that kind of get a little bit of a jump start on things. Usually the set designer and the director kind of jump into some discussion about the visuals. And then, then we start trying to bring in the other designers as quickly as possible. So... Um, so I try to get on the same page with the costumer or with the lighting designer, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, but yeah, I just spend a lot of time in my studio just kind of like immersing myself in the material. And then I do a bunch of visual research. I just find a, a million pictures. And, um, and then, you know, there's usually a few that feel to me like they're resonant for some reason. And I, you know, I, I don't put a lot of weight on that at the beginning until I've kind of looked over things with the director a few times. But it's interesting how often I do come back to those images that feel for whatever reason, like, oh, you know, there's something there. That one feels, I don't know, it feels right. Or I'm so drawn to that with this story, like so fresh in my mind, like that image feels important. Um, So yeah, I mean, we end up kind of, I don't know how many pieces of research I guess it depends on the project but I mean usually there's still like 50 pages of research that we've narrowed down from 300 or what have you and all there's just little bits of those things that kind of go into the design in some way or another and it it winds up not looking like any of them really but um but yeah so that's how I get started yeah and uh, what's the time frame on something like that usually yeah it depends I would say most theater projects um the, the ramp up to them takes anywhere from like four months to eight months, mm-hmm. just depending mm-hmm. on how mm-hmm. big it is. Yeah. Those initial conversations, four months is kind of a screamer, you know, if that's when you're just starting to talk right. about it, um, you know, you got to move, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I would say usually it's like six or eight months about. Yeah. There's a, there's a, at least some recognition oh, yeah. between the two of us that like, there's some familiarity there between 
what you're talking about and, and kind of how we go about designing something for like someone's home. I, I think they're in two different realms at the same time. Like it's not, I, I can't imagine conceptualizing a, a space that isn't going to actually be used for perpetuity. Yeah. For, for like someone's living quarters, like that's it's, there's more of an artistic quality to it, but it's the nuts and bolts of it. Sound, yeah. sound familiar to me the sort of like if you want this design sure give me give me four months or something to make it right it depends on the project obviously mm-hmm. but if you're talking about a complete redesign of a home or something that's i think people don't don't often give credit to the amount of effort and and time it's going to take to get from thousands of images and ideas and and a little bit of research to like here's what we're actually going to give you like if it's just your bathroom, we'll just do it. It's fine. We can have that done in a week. Right. <laughs> but but if you're redoing the entire house, there's going to be a lot more to it. So So it sounds like a lot of mood boards or storyboards. Are you, you know, do you have a physical, you know, here you're seeing all of our notes and whatnot. Do you have a physical space that you're printing out pictures, cutting up pictures from magazines and assembling kind of a, this visual mood board for yourself? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I don't get that formal about putting together mood mm-hmm. boards typically because I like to be able to move things around in front of the director and not have it sort of mounted and arranged. And I don't curate it to that degree because mm-hmm. I kind of, at that point in the process, like everything I'm bringing, the idea is like we're throwing darts at it, you mm-hmm. know? So it's just like if it doesn't work, it's it's out. If it doesn't work, it's out, you know? So there's a lot of just having the flexibility to move things around. So I keep it pretty loose, like literally loose. Um, but... Um, but yes, I do have a physical space and yes, I do, you know, have, I mean, it's important to me to have like physical copies Mm -hmm. of things. So rather Mm -hmm. than just having like a Pinterest board or, you know, just images that are, that we're viewing on the computer, it's important to have things to move around, um, and look at. Um, and the way I use my physical space now most often is, um, just hand sketching or building models. So for theater stuff, I still build scale models of okay. my shows so they're very tiny that's they gotta be fun wow, that's neat. so very tactile things to help the creative process move forward yeah most theaters require a model as part of my contract yeah okay. it's still very much the the um yeah the tradition or the expectation mm-hmm. that set designers will provide models so and you do all that building yourself yeah, or I w- or work with an assistant, yeah. but yes, okay. it comes yeah. out of my of comes out of my studio. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. fun. Oh, Having wow. laser cutters and 3D printers has changed my life. Oh, fun. yeah. I mean, I don't personally own those things, but I have right. access to them. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. My goal is to own them, but I don't yet. Right. Oh, that's super fun. So you must have like a catalog of all of your old, all of the yeah, projects just up you've the done street from here. Oh, fun. Or are you I close by? Were there. I could just point them all out. Um, yeah. Oh. yeah. Just up the street on. Um, St. Anthony Parkway. Okay. At, at University in St. Anthony Parkway. Can we come Parkway. visit sometime? Of course you I can. I mean, I don't know. We just met and everything. <laughs> we just <laughs> want to come down. No, I want to come see with us. See, we can definitely take the mics with us. Okay. Yeah. I just want to see the space. I bet it's very cool to have all those it's, it past is. pieces. I, yeah. I like it's a weird little sort of library. Yeah, it's of, your museum. Yeah, it is my museum. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, so this is these are works of Jim's in progress. They're behind you, there yeah. are loads of works of his there's a lot going on in here i love it i yeah. love this few of the things i build in here mm-hmm. which is for just for fun but it, it's nice to be surrounded with the things that you've well it gives you a sense of done. accomplishment and inspiration yeah i mean this is a, a lot of sarah's work is on the wall and yeah well jim beats me to so <laughs> so what is your how do you uh keep your inspiration like what's inspiring to you 
like when you're doing these projects like this, is there, what's your sort of go-to thing, you know, and that could be a few different things. I, I know for me, I have a multitude of things that I go to, but you know, it's interesting when you're designing a space, mm-hmm. you know, of something like this is kind of like a museum show, you know, it's kind of like a house. It's a little bit like, you know, but, but you have an audience too, you know, which is very unique. You know, you have a captive audience mm-hmm. too. Then there's this, this second party that actually comes in and uses that space, you know, that you've designed. So maybe you can talk about some of the... Yeah, no, you've hit on a, a key component of my work for sure. I mean, I'm not, I'm not under the limelight myself, but I do love right. that there's an audience for my work for sure. Yeah, yeah it's very motivating. Um, you know, I, I mean, typically if I sign on to do a project, I'm inspired by the, the story we're going to tell. You know, I, if mm-hmm. I don't, if I think the story is lame, it's really hard to get excited about designing. Will you not take it then? Um, I don't know that it's ever happened that I read a script and just thought, I'm not interested in this. Okay. Maybe it has. I yeah. don't know. Um, well, I would, that's probably part of the challenge, right? To find out what is interesting about it. Yeah. I mean, I would never sign on to do a play without actually like being familiar right. with the material. It's mm-hmm. a pre- pre- prerequisite for sure to just read, read the script. Um, usually when I can't do a project, it's purely schedule related, but, um, yeah, I'm really inspired by the stories and I'm really inspired typically by my colleagues, whoever, you know, particularly the directors that I work with. I mean, there are people I've worked with over and over and over. And then there's, there are people kind of on my short list right now that we've sort of near missed, like almost gotten to do projects together Mm -hmm. and haven't, hasn't quite aligned. And so like, I really, those few people are kind of on my bucket list of people that I'm like, I hope it works out next time. Um, so yeah, I'm really inspired by that. And, um, and interestingly, like, you know, maybe this isn't exactly an inspiration, but the fact that, um, there's a lot of constraints around my work, like, um, Mm. you know, like you mentioned that I'm designing in a space. So, so yeah, I mean like the, the, the theater itself, like the, the space I'm given and the sight lines that the, you know, that I'm dealing with in the audience of what people can and cannot see on stage. Um, those are all just constraints that become problems I have to solve right away. And the budget usually with theater design is a huge thing. I mean, um, there are some shows that feel like, you know, they have ample resources, but often I'll come up with a draft and I'll, I'll run it by everybody and I'll have to cut 30% of of the design. And so I have to get very innovative about how to do that. Um, yeah. And so even just for, just from the outset, trying to like be so resourceful, I I find really motivating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would think always, you know, for, you know, I'm just guessing here, but also just pushing some of the boundaries, you know, like, like making it an uh, experience that maybe is, is something that's not recognizable necessarily right away. For sure. You know, I mean, I've looked at a few of your designs and some of your sets, you know, so like I would, you know, I can see that you're kind of pushing sort of, you know, forward. Yeah, you know, good. And Thank taking you. influences from past and et well, cetera. The thing you just said about people not being able to necessarily recognize what they're looking at. There was a, a design where that was literally the goal of being. Um, I did a show at the jungle um, called Constellations. And the design was supposed to sort of um, suggest all of the possibilities that was the design for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I, mean, I was waiting. I was, I was, was looking down and writing when you said that, and I'm like, yep, and then I, she's going to say I something gave you that else. Pregnant, <laughs> yeah. That pregnant pause was very purposeful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally yeah. was sitting there going, right. how the hell do I do this? I like, did a good job. Yeah. That's a challenge. Yeah. So, but, but that's I, really beautiful, even th- those moments of silence like that, that pause, you know? I mean, you know. 
our, yeah. our resident artist. I no, because yeah. you always connect yeah. with that part. I yep. love I love how well, quickly you get into yep. the well the art part of it. Yeah, well, that's because mm-hmm. I'm an artist. So yeah, <laughs> you know? I, know. I know it makes me feel like not an artist it, right. because right. I you're don't. an artist too. Sammy. No, no, no. All right, all right. Okay, I do have a quick question. Uh, you said uh, that you design these things. So, so some of the installations or the set designs that you design, they move, and so now you're you've gone from one space with a certain set of sight lines and a certain set of you know, a size to a stage or something. And, and how easy is that to move them? Oh, you mean when it, when the design actually goes to another theater? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Does that happen that way? It does occasionally. Not okay. that often. I haven't designed that. I've designed more touring museum exhibits than I have designed touring okay, so theatrical and productions. And that it would, does happen. And that would change less of the, of, like, the so a touring, process. yeah, so a touring museum exhibit might, might occupy a certain amount of space, but they probably have a lot more uh, ability to move things within that without it disturbing the overall feel of it. Well, I will say in either of those scenarios, if you don't start a project knowing that you're going to tour what it is that you are designing, mm. it will be a major problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so like, you do it, have to put some design thought oh, into it for sure. For sure. And also, it, I mean, it, in theater, it would really dictate the type of venue as well. So if I designed a, a show that was taking place in a classic proscenium theater, right? Like a frame yeah. uh, with a stage versus in the round or a thrust theater, that show would need to tour to other proscenium houses. It, it's got to stick take it with from a, theme. a proscenium house to in the round to <laughs> right. a thrust. It, there's just no right. physical way you could do that. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> so, so that's for sure the, 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 the way the sort of theater world works with that. And with the museum world, a lot of it has to do with ceiling heights. Sure. So that becomes a constraint. There are some exhibit halls that are, you know, 10 feet tall and I might have designed exhibit components that are 14 feet. So right. sometimes they have to be, able to be you know viewed without their tops on literally like we'll just take a piece off of the top because it has a seam there so it can look really grand in a larger space but it can still fit in a smaller space so sure my the maya exhibit had some things like that where it fit in almost every space at its full height but there were uh, you know a, a venue or two where parts of it you know couldn't we couldn't put the entire lid on it yeah yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that sort of answers my, it's, it's more of a technical question is, yeah. in my mind, you know, like how would you design around the idea that there are different sizes and different shapes to different yeah. places and you just answered it. Well, one so. thing I will say just about the, the fact that I feel like my job is, you know, highly creative, but also like I run into all these things like mm-hmm. you're describing of th- trying to be like, okay, my task is to design this thing that is going to have these multi purposes or, or whatever like one of the real joys of my job is working with people that are going to fabricate what I'm building and and having their ear like early mm-hmm. on in the process so I can just pick their brain about stuff uh-huh. so I've been very lucky to work alongside a shop pretty much my whole career so my husband's shop is at my studio when I was at the science museum there was a shop there I work now with um split rock studios and they have like 30,000 square feet of shop and about 30 full-time fabrication people. So um, I'm always, I, I've just like had at my disposal all of this like amazing um, talent. Talent, mm-hmm. yeah. People that have like built all kinds of stuff. And so over the years, I've just learned a ton. And is, whenever I bump up against something that I'm not sure about, I'll just go find whoever I think is the right person and have mm-hmm. a conversation with them about it. Um, so they help me 
problem solve things. And then I do a lot of like after projects are underway, I'll come out in the shop and be like, so what isn't going well? You know, right. What are you, what, what did a, I what design? Did, yeah, that's, that's like, how did I make impossible. your life terrible? Yeah. yeah. Tell me how I'm making you <laughs> so miserable. You're always learning. So you're yeah, not an yeah. architect then it's the, because architects are like, I don't care. I don't care how bad your life is. I don't care that I made your life miserable. Just get it built the way I designed I hear, it. I hear they have that reputation. That's what that, that's they do. Yeah. They definitely do. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, I think, one of the things we, yeah. we do well together is, you know, I can, I can clearly say ahead of something being finalized, like, no, you can't do that to us. We'll, we'll never get that built on that budget. Or, you know, this is right. ridiculous. And it, so, so do you do you have a favorite project that you've worked oh, on? And because I kind of have some favorites of yours, okay. You know, oh, oh I'd love uh, to I'm hear what kinda, those are. I, you know, just go ahead. Wonder. Well, we're yeah. thirty. We're thirty. Oh, are we ready in. for? A, yeah. Well, we could we could take a break. Can we leave and we it can with? Think about this. Can okay. we leave it with? You're going to tell us really thirty Cheers. minutes. Thirty one. Thirty one. That felt 30. like five minutes. It I did. know it really did go. Today very, very, very is quickly. definitely strangely fast. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna take this as a good sign. No, it yeah, is. No, it, <laughs> it is. It's no, really I weird. think we're very interested, and in, I, I can't wait to kind of get into uh, your favorite stuff. But then also, like we love asking a little, you know, yeah. personal life. Personal. Okay, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll be right back. That's sort of the okay. second half. Okay. All right. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. All right, all right, all right. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what isn't? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeling service, residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with a purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consolation. God, I just like... That that one... All right, that one is definitely not going to be mine. That could be my favorite. Want to go on a wilderness adventure with Sam? Or maybe know a group of kids who could benefit from a break from their electronics. Maybe you just need a break from the kids. Visit earthed.org for more information about how to get started. Brought to you by the Andalin app. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin... Ah, shit. Andolin, now available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andolin.app for more information. Do you have an idea that you know deserves a digital solution? Finding a partner to help navigate the digital design and application building process can be daunting. Mobile Composer, in partnership with Kinetic Legacy, offers forward-thinking design built on a stable and adaptable compliance platform. Visit mcomposer.com or kineticlegacy.us to get started building the solutions of tomorrow. Enterprise or consumer together, Mobile Composer and Kinetic Legacy offer solutions that work in a language you can understand. Interested in art? James Holmberg. <sighs> Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. <sighs> Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit jamesholmberg.com 
to find out more. <laughs> I'm starting to back up because I don't want to miss the jingler. That's yeah, right. You... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back. Interesting lead-in. Yeah, but you know a jingler. Kate? I asked you if you knew a jingler, and you said yes. Is that what you call a person who? I don't, I don't know, know, but you said Jing- yes immediately. Like, well, you said do, do uh, in the middle with our jingles. <laughs> yeah, do we well, have jingles in the middle? On the breaks. This yeah. is their professional job. Well, I mean, they do a lot of things. It's a okay. composer, but yeah, sure, he, he has composed jingles. No shit. They're actually very funny. Snappy. Oh. Snappy and okay. Well, I think we, I most think we of the need jingles get... I've heard him compose are pretty funny. It's more of like he's a like a shout out for this he's person. He's like a comedian slash. Oh, oh. we're in. Yeah, we're definitely we're in. in. You yeah, don't you have to, to say do... anymore. No, no, but do you want to do a little <laughs> shout out for this person? Well, sure. His name's Aaron Gabriel. Aaron Gabriel, okay. in, here in Minneapolis. Yes, here in Minneapolis. Uh, okay. Writer of funny jingles. Yeah, and composer. Yes, and and does he record them as well for you? He sure can. Yeah, sends them right back to you, and you got like a. Okay. Wow. Here we That's go. Aaron Gabriel? Yeah. Aaron Gabriel. Yeah, is that what I heard? Yeah. Expect to email from us soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Here it comes. <laughs> this poor guy. Come on in. <laughs> All know right. We, gonna happen. All right. We All left right. off with a question. Well, but let's, we're back. Let's be a little, let's be professional about this. We've got Kate Sutton Johnson in, right? Yes. Oh, second okay. half. Second half. Sam's, look on, at the look Sam's on fire today. <laughs> no, I just, I, well, we're trying to, we're trying to jazz it up a little around. Right. We're going to have okay. jingles and everything. Right. Before you know it. Hi, Kate. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> All right. So the question is, is do you have some of your favorite, what are some of your favorite uh, sets? You know, be it musicals or, or... works you've worked on, period, right? It, at all? You mean as far as museum work? Versus well, I mean, just work? in your portfolio. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, well, there's a couple ways to answer that question. I think, you know, there are certain designs that I think are really maybe more psychological than other designs. And mm-hmm. those are ones that I, you know, I really dig that stuff. Right. Because I feel like to intuit a little bit, like what sort of world the play needs, right. where it's not entirely, you know, a real environment, but it's sort of a a different kind of container. I think that mm-hmm. those projects are challenging and just really exciting. So, you know, I can think of a few designs certainly that would fit that bill i also think when i think back on projects that are meaningful to me a lot of it has to do with the process and the director i worked with and even the cast like just the whole community around making the piece like who who were my partners in the art form because i don't make it by myself right um so there's just you know for sure a few collaborators that i'm really fond of and when i think about you know the work that is important to me those people just immediately pop into my mind right um so, yeah, I don't know. Well, I was really liking the Sweeney Todd. Yeah. You know, that sort of, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's my sort of jam, yeah. so to speak. Well, and I haven't put the pictures up yet from the Sarasota production I just did. Okay. But I think, I feel like they're even more evocative maybe than really? the original, which is, I don't know, it's hard to even imagine because that original is so creepy. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Very, it's got a nice oh, uh, edge to it. You know? So, yeah, I wanted to ask, do you have a dark side? Like, meaning, are you inspired by, are you like a horror fan? Do you like science fiction? You know, where are you drawing this from? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, I'm not a horror fan. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'm not a horror fan, like, um, jump out of my seat. Sure. Blood and guts. Scare me kind of thing. Um, Psychological horror. But, yeah, psychological Mm -hmm. thrillers are pretty 
pretty interesting. Honestly, I, <laughs> it's funny. I don't watch a ton of movies and television. Mm. And you would think maybe that somebody as obsessed with stories as I am would be really into that stuff. But I actually almost find it too overwhelming a lot of the time. Like, I get so, uh, my whole body, like, I just have so much adrenaline watching something terrifying or... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just like take it into myself. Hey, I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, with you. That's fair enough. These yeah. two will like bathe their brains in in terrible, <laughs> dark, scary stuff. As far as I know, I can't handle it. Yeah. I, I don't. It. It. Like I can't. I can't watch too much television or too much, unless it's sort of like a like a documentary and I really need to know the end of the story, then I can watch the whole thing. But like these guys, you guys love your horror well, films I, and your horror shows. I would think for you that it's, this is your world in, you know, every single day. And so for you to have that visual stimulation again, it's just like you need a break from, from that. Yeah, maybe. And I, I just think also that there's something about that medium that I find like, um, I don't know. I get I get myself so immersed in it. Like the mm-hmm. way the way I experience those stories, I just I don't know. Sometimes I just think I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. But um, but somehow in in live theater, it feels not 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 scary. I think part of the reason people love live theater is that it feels a bit dangerous. Like that people are taking risk right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like you're watching these actors kind of you know well, it, it be vulnerable. So it's scary on it's scary in that sense. But it's less scary in terms of you know if I see a death on stage for example I don't think I think I'm caught up in like sort of the allegory of that or the meaning of it in like the lives of the characters versus like oh my god a real person just died like I don't really do you know and and I'm not I mean I'm thinking of this for the first time I don't really know why there's (laughs) I mean I'm just thinking out loud but (laughs) I don't know why it's all about but that's that's really interesting that's totally fair yeah yeah that there's this demarcation between live versus on tv where um you know, this just brings up a point where I can't watch anything too sentimental or that's very human because I internalize it so much that it physically hurts. So that's why I watch a lot of horror and the sci-fi and alien stuff because a part oh. of it's like, I know it's in the back of my brain, it's not real, quote unquote. Yeah, you can have some distance from Distance, it. right? And so if it is about a real person, it becomes too much for me. So maybe that's a bit what you're talking I about. I think it is, mm-hmm. yeah. It's an inter- I thought a yeah, lot Yeah, because what that, I'm talking yeah. about doesn't specifically have to do with the horror genre. Sure. It's sure. more of like... Um, uh, just other kinds of intense subject matter, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. seeing it somehow on film, I think, you know, those experiences are so curated. I mean, the live theater is too, you know, there's, there's a sound design, there's lights shifting. We're telling you where to look. We're telling you how to feel with the music, but movies are even more, I mean, mm-hmm. is such an orchestrated ride that they put you on and post-production and everything you have yeah. that opportunity but like to all take the underscoring further. you know all the yeah. sure. if you were to just close your eyes and listen to the soundtrack of a show or a sure. movie like it's so it, they manipulate Setting how you mood, feel yeah. about absolutely everything mm-hmm. and right. i just i just like 100 percent get on that ride i can't get off <laughs> right. and all of a sudden i'm just like my heart is racing i'm right. freaking out well that's why you're so good at your job i think because you have that connection yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm. I certainly know the power of it. That's right, for sure. Right. Yeah. So you can well, that. live theater is so great because there is that element of surprise. I mean, sometimes things happen that are unexpected. Yes. I mean, you know, and that's what I love so much about it. I I love seeing the physical person, you know, and and seeing them, you know, sort of exhaust themselves. That's mm-hmm. why dance is also so interesting to me. You know, yes, I just totally. love that um, live performance and. You know, in film, that's just completely eliminated. 
you know? Right. So, so it's yeah, a my, very different experience. My younger sister was, was in theater, went to Carleton for theater and she's, she's just been in theater all, you didn't know Bedlam theater at all. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, she was part of that when they were forming it. And, cool. Uh, John Beakey or whatever. But anyway, um, so I did end up, as I said, I'm not a theater person or whatever. I don't, I'm not a theater goer, but I, I have seen a lot of plays and it is, I always, it, the emotional part of it, you're right. You can sort of suspend. There's this part where you know that it's absolutely a play happening in front of you. You're in the physical space with them as it's being made. Whereas when you're watching a show, you can, I always joke with my kids when, after we watch a movie, or during the watching of a movie, I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember when I used to hang out with Han Solo and Luke and I would go to the, go to the bar and whatever. (laughs) And they're like, no, you weren't. But for them, it's, it's almost because of the fact that the movie is so believable and they're Mm -hmm. so immersed in it. Mm -hmm. They don't, for a long time, they were like, I think he's telling the truth. Yeah. Like they still, Now they kind of know that I'm full of shit, but because they're older. But I think that the the movie gave them the opportunity because they were so immersed in it to to not quite be sure if it didn't exist somewhere that I had maybe been. Right. Whereas a play, you can't do that. You know, that would be a, a whole different thing. Right. So yeah, it's a sacred space. Yeah. Yeah. So I do have a question another question oh, about uh so you know looking at your work like the spotlight on uh congo yeah yeah uh, can you talk a little bit about that because that sort of seems like another sort of faceted part of your yeah that was an, a really amazing opportunity so i um applied for a grant to join a group of artists that were going to congo brazzaville to do a project and i was awarded this grant it's called the global connections grant and mm-hmm. it's um these grants are given out by Theater Communications Group, um, which is a, a big, they do a lot of things, but they um, publish American Theater Magazine. And anyway, uh, it's a really generous grant. So I, in 2011, um, I uh, got the funding to go along with some artists from the Twin Cities. Interestingly, Aaron Gabriel. <laughs> there you uh, go. Uh, recent fame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> went on that project with me. Um, <laughs> As did Jeannie Calvert, who is the director of uh, Interact Center. Mm-hmm. Do you guys know about Interact? Mm-hmm. Um, Interact is an arts organization. They have a visual and performing arts um, wing. They have w- w- visual and performing arts wings, if you will, and they um, work with artists with disabilities from the community. Um, so they have a theater company made up of artists with disabilities, um, and they hire professional theater artists to work with these artists and you know do a lot of. Um, training and then they perform together in productions. Um, so this project in Congo um, was through a connection that Jeannie had made with a gentleman who lived there who was also working with artists with, with disabilities in Point Noir. Um, and we went there to do a collaborative project with those artists. Um, so we wound up leaving Point Noir and traveling it around sort of the more rural parts of that country. Um, and we took with us um, several several like local artists to Point Noir um, and one artist in particular whose who's sort of story we were trying to tell. And this artist was named Alan. Um, he, was an, uh, he was a singer and composer himself and, um, and he had a physical disability. He had polio as a child. Okay. So he had a difficult time getting around. 
and he had a story from his past um, about, I guess, 20 years earlier. Um, he had been uh, living there, and everyone in that country was sort of like caught in the midst of this war. And Elan had actually been cared for by kind of the opposing group of people because he had this disability. So the idea was that we were um, kind of going and doing like a, I don't know, like a reconciliation theater project, if you will, where he was sort of um, soliciting the help of people that were both sort of of his own ethnic group and people that were from this other ethnic group to kind of tell the story of what happened and how he was helped by people that really did not have to help him, if mm. that makes sense. Mm. Um, it's way more complicated than that, but I, yeah, could, yeah. I could do like three hours on just that trip. Mm. Yeah, it's right. so that, complicated. that sounds awesome. Um, but anyway, it was fascinating. Um, and I, you know... It, and I, had you ever been there before? No. no this is all no. a new experience. Yeah, I mean, this is experience. just... Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I have the luxury of seeing some of the photos from that, you know, which which look, you know, quite, you know, interesting. I mean, I'm wondering how the story took place. Like, how how did, how was the perform? Was it a performance then? It was, yeah. And and what did that look like? It took place multiple times in multiple villages. So Alan would we would work with him in kind of. Um, uh, inviting community members into telling the story and honestly it happened so much more easily than you would think people just sort of yeah. were like casting themselves as people in roles that they felt felt like they should play um, the women would all cast themselves as who, whomever made sense in the story the men often cast themselves as soldiers and they would like go off and get props or things that would look like weapons and then they would just stage a play I mean it happened in an it was just unbelievable. so you just show up kind of right and and and, yes, and you're like, who's going to participate, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, okay, we'll do this. And and how many mm-hmm. people do you think? Uh, how many people would participate? And how many people would view it? How many roles? Yeah, yeah uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess percentage-wise in each village, I feel like there was probably about half of the people that live there performing and about half of them watching. Wow. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, I have video of some of these performances, and they're just amazing. Right, it's amazing. So the first one must have been sort of, um, you know, I would think nervous, you know, like I I like burst into tears at the first performance of this because I couldn't believe it was actually happening. It was like this sort of theoretical thing we thought we were doing. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my God, like it's completely happening. Yes. And you're (laughs) you're in the middle of nowhere, kind of, you know, in this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was amazed. And how long would the performance last? Um, maybe 20 minutes or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Maybe longer. I think, yeah. but, but when we did it in the final village, it was a larger group of people and that was maybe like a half hour. Yeah. Okay. But right. Yeah. So you were empow- <laughs> basically, you know, we're all about storytelling here. Yeah. I mean, so and community and community. So and you're history in and history. All, all of this, so yeah. you're in heritage. So you're empowering these individuals who may not have had the chance to speak and tell their story. That was all part of this. Yeah. Well, I want to also be careful to say that, like, I was a white person, of course, in this yeah. country, mm-hmm. and and I left this project um, with actually like a lot of confusion about what exactly we did do, mm. and I still feel confused about that. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, I think it's very difficult to go to places like where we went, where there are hardly any white people, um, and to step into these communities of people where there are like really, really complex um, relationships amongst individual people, mm-hmm. but also the you know sort of the group dynamics. And 
I couldn't even begin to understand all of the things that we were impacting by being there. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, it felt like we were um, for sure making some connections that would probably would never have happened without our presence. It felt like our we created a spark to do sure. something by being sure. there. Mm -hmm. But we also might have done some damage that we weren't aware of. Mm. And I think, mm -hmm. I just think... I don't know. I, I think it, I just have to sort of sit with that because I yeah. don't. I don't really know. But mm. the performance itself was was about about someone being helped by by people who didn't have to help him. Correct. Right. Yeah. So so a a person, a human, needing assistance from someone who otherwise, in that moment, wouldn't be giving them that. And I mean, I, I get. I understand that your whiteness is a is something that you can't deny uh but but in the moment you're you and whoever is over there with you whatever team that is like you're you're trying you're he, you're allowing him to take that message out and try and put that in front of people as a means of potentially healing too yeah i mean and we right. were telling a long story it wasn't our story mm -hmm. right Obviously. Mm -hmm. i mean we we weren't we weren't in the story mm -hmm. and um, so mm -hmm. elon's message is is in in the midst of inhumanity i'm finding humanity from fellow humans that's exactly right mm -hmm. and and you're going as a fellow human now your skin happens to be white but really when you when it comes down to it isn't that sort of the future goal i would hope that we don't that the whiteness isn't doesn't get in the way of the fact that you have a certain expertise and you've written uh in for a grant you've you've received the grant you have the ability now to go and help heal something or potentially maybe it doesn't always work maybe it does but at least you're you're using Alon's message not your own to try and interject there and yeah doing his, I think that's, helping him with his work I think that's right I think there were some ways that our group challenged that community that I wasn't sure in the end if it was um, savvy of us or maybe mm. too aggressive like for example we wanted to make part of this big um, celebration or performance. Um, we wanted part of it to be making a meal together. So we purchased a lot of food for us to sort of make this big community meal. And typically these two groups of people don't cook together. Mm. And so we tried to create this atmosphere where they would cook together. And it's stuff like that where in hindsight, I've just, I'm, I mean, they did it, but I don't know in the aftermath of us not being there, I, I just, we had a lot of power to tell everybody, Hey, this is what we're doing. We were sort of the, you know, the camp counselors of the, of the event. And, um, maybe it's fine. It might be fine. I just think, you know, I, you're reflecting on yeah, you, you have no idea. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really an interesting, uh, program though, or project, however you phrase it. I'm not quite sure. sure. And I've you thought know? so much about it. It had a yeah. big impact on me and yep. I still, and you know, like you're responding to the images there, but right. I mean, the, I, I'm so I'm such a sponge. I'm so visual. Like mm -hmm. even just thinking about all the things in my mind's eye that I think of about being on that trip, I was mm -hmm. just absorbed so much. Um, yeah, just. What's well, an interesting balance looking at the at the high production that you do too. You know, in mm -hmm. in one one category, which is your daily category, sort of, and then sort of this idea of this just completely. You know, there is no production besides, you know, sort of like this improv sort of uh, situation, right. you know. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting uh, 
balance, you know, for you to be in one, one area mm-hmm. without anything stripped right. down. Yeah, you know? it was definitely a, a different kind of adventure of, make, right. of creating work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say one more thing about it. Like, you can't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know what, what seeds you planted or what, what you burned down by doing that. Like, that's, it's impossible to know in the moment. And, and looking back on it, of course, you might, you might be wondering how did that affect people. But, but I mean, a, a lot of what we do and why we do it here is just to at least get started somewhere to like start the dialogue to, so we have our conversations on the podcast we have the Andalin app that that like you know grandma isn't going to be with you forever she's trying to tell you a story would you would you just let her tell the story and record it so you don't forget where this thing came from or whatever that's kind of where that came from um it seems to me like like it isn't necessarily your place to worry about whether what you did ended the way you thought it would or or didn't think it would or the way you set out but just that that the conversation got started and how better than through a theatrical performance written by a community member to at least start the dialogue between the people who may still be in disparate camps Mm -hmm. you know so as it seems seems very reasonable to me it seems like so really interesting project when you were a kid kate did you Mm -hmm. were you in theater i mean did you tell stories i mean this this has such a impromptu you know sort of atmosphere you know i'm Mm -hmm. i'm as you're talking i'm picturing you know like were you the kid that would just like bust out into a story or something or or or, yeah (laughs) well probably Uh, yeah i mean i well it takes a certain confidence and sort of a you know i mean not everyone can just do that what what you're describing so i'm just wondering if that started early on or if that's something that developed later yeah i think i i'm really silly and i think i loved like making my parents laugh particularly i definitely remember doing like some routines with like a miss piggy puppet i had (laughs) that like really had people i think i had that too yes yeah. yeah, there's I a lot a, to do with Miss Piggy. She so. had on a purple gown with purple, like, you know, long her gloves. gloves. Oh gosh, and yeah. I, had I can pa- picture this. I had a pair of purple <laughs> Converse high top tennis shoes. Oh well. So I would like put her on top of my purple right. Converse, <laughs> and I had. She I, was a I heck a, of a character. I had a great. Do voice you remember the? This reminds me, Muppets Take Manhattan, which is still one of my first impressions of New York when I was little, and why I wanted to move there. But she was with Joan Rivers, and um. Oh yeah, I do. Uh, what was the? Was it Saks or whatever? Depa- famous Saks, Saks, Saks Fifth, Fifth Avenue, Avenue. But they were at the makeup yeah. counter. I'm like, man, I gotta go there. It's so <laughs> <crazy>. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Side note. Yeah, I, you, uh, I, honestly, I was an athlete as a kid too, so I was really into sports. Yeah. I was just really active and kind of into everything. I think when I look at like where my career wound up, I feel so lucky because I feel like I could have shot off in a lot of different mm-hmm. directions, but. Were you ever a camp counselor or a camp attendee? I was a camp attendee, yes. Yeah, were you? Yeah, for each camp, yeah. Yeah. And I went to like a horseback riding camp one time too, yeah. Well, Virginia. Yeah, horse Horse country. country. (laughs) I mean, Yeah, you you almost have to, right? Yeah. No matter what. (laughs) Do you have brothers and sisters? I don't, it's just me. No? So you're only only child, so you were, it was a 
one person play, right? That's right, with just this me. Piggy. That's right. Just yeah, are you, are you cognizant of how spoiled you were? <laughs> or does it not quite sit well with well, you? Well, no, I, I guess I do feel spoiled. My, par- <laughs> my parents were both middle school teachers. And I have oh. no idea whether you were actually so they, spoiled or yeah. not. I'm just curious. I mean, to the degree that I got the attention that all of the kids would have gotten, I yeah. guess that yeah. is a certain type yeah. of being spoiled. But, but yeah, my parents had, you know, teaching jobs. I mean, right. um, we did not have a lot of extra like, extra do re mi all right, the time but right, right. Uh, we we were just fine we, we we did just fine but um yeah no i look back on my childhood like really fondly and i'm still very close with my parents but um yeah i think i was into a lot of stuff as a kid i i was really into singing i did a lot of like choir stuff um i did perform some when i was in high school in both choir and in theater doing some so you weren't shy in front of a crowd. So you, yes or, no. but, but you kind I mean, of it was a stretch. Developed it was a stretch a, for me. Yeah. I mean, I can remember, I think, moments being on stage and feeling like, oh, this feels so go- cool to like be under the lights and to like feel that kind of feeling that I think actors feel when mm-hmm. they are in their bodies and they feel like it's great. But I also remember lots of times of feeling like, this is really pushing my limits. Stage like, right? really, yeah, I think like really stretching anxiety, my comfort level. Yeah. But not, not everyone that's, that's, not every actor is an extrovert, right? I mean, not everybody who's in, who's got the ability to get up in front of people and speak actually is an extrovert. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I it's know it's many just introverted actors. Right. Yeah. Yep. More than you would think. But. Yeah. I mean, I feel like extrovert has more to do with like a, what, what you're going to do when you walk into the bar, who you're going to talk to versus if you're in that profession and you, you know, if you're, if you're good at acting, you might actually not be yourself in a certain way in your yeah, mind when you're doing it. Yeah, there's comfort in being, yeah. you know, someone different. It's like mm-hmm. the antithesis of your own inner self is right. saying, yeah. I'm going to get out and project. And, yeah. yeah, and I mean, I should also say that, like, the whole time I was performing was kind of in a period of anyone's life where they're pretty self-conscious. Like, sure. right. yeah. I performed when I was a middle schooler and a high schooler. <laughs> the worst. When I, you know, you're just not feeling, like, totally, yeah. like, you're owning who you are. Especially and so. as a girl. It's yeah. just, it's... Oh, and I was oh. tall. I think, I yeah, know. I think a lot of the times on stage I was kind of like, I'm too tall for this part, you know, I and know. that's, like, all I could think about. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, two tall girls. Um, so what do you... So for the next generation of set designers and people in your field, mm. what do you... You know, you strike me as someone who would be a really good mentor and kind of guiding people. Is that something you envision as a role down the road? And what would you say to people that want to get into this profession? Thank you for that. Um, I I do try to do like little teaching gigs here and there. And it's usually just kind of visiting a class. But often there'll be a student that wants to follow up and have a little, you know, informational interview type of thing. So I try to do that stuff a lot just mm-hmm. to take an hour with somebody and and talk with them about what their aspirations are. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, making a living as a set designer is really difficult. I mean, making a living as a theater artist is is a, a really difficult thing, which is why I have kind of branched off in these other directions. And I think one of the things that I appreciate learning when I was studying theater was some people that, um, along the way kind of let me know that like hey I got a set design degree but now I like own a toy designing company or hey I got a set design degree but now I do this other thing and so I think I just having those seeds planted of like a theater degree is actually such great training Mm -hmm. there's you learn so many things in in the uh 
the fundamentals of like how to create that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like it was such a great stepping stone for me into, into lots of things. So, um, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly. No, yeah, I, just, I, lo- yeah. I love, I love teaching for a couple of reasons. I love teaching cause I love, um, spending time with, with students. Um, I also love teaching because every time I do it, it is such a clear reminder of why I love what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's like such a gift. Mm-hmm. Every time I sort of tell people about my job and what I, you know, what I've done and, and, and how I got where I am and all those sorts of things, I, it affirms oh, again and again, like how I really love what I do. And you're um, providing that kind of tangible path for other people because you've done it. So then it's clearer to someone else who really wants to do it. Okay, she's done it. Why can't I? Yeah, so I think that's that must true. be powerful. Yeah, I taught at the U um, a, a whole semester back in, I don't know when that was, maybe 09 or something like that. Um, and I did have students after that class just saying, like, we didn't, we have never met a female set designer. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're the first person mm-hmm. that we've talked with that in this industry it it continues to be a really male dominated field Mm. um but i think it's changing Mm -hmm. for sure i think everything's changing finally Mm -hmm. that's i mean Mm -hmm. it's got to Mm -hmm. yeah wow yeah i know (laughs) so do you have a favorite musical well i mean i will just second what jim was saying about (laughs) sweeney todd is i mean that's fresh in my mind but Mm -hmm. it is a delicious project just Mm -hmm. because it's so you can just like lean into so many Mm -hmm. super layers and yeah and it's just yeah it's fun to have like all of that kind of atmosphere Mm -hmm. in the work Mm -hmm. um but uh let's see other projects i've done musical wise that are favorites um or is there one that you haven't done a particular oh. one that you really would love to do? Sink your teeth into. <laughs> ah, that's so tricky, too. There's so many. Um, well, I will say, I'll plug. Can I do another plug? Of course. Of course. So you can do anything. Hey, we got, no one pays for any of them. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> We're not uh, stepping on anyone's toes. Go ahead. Well, so. I'm unfortunately not designing this show, but coming up also at the Ritz, my little artistic home up the street, they're doing Chicago oh. this fall. Uh-huh. And I'm not able to do that project, but oh. I'm very excited about that. that. Be fun. I think that'll be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, let me think. Uh, you know, a lesser known musical um, is uh, this. There's a musical called Floyd Collins that okay. has all of this like Appalachian sort okay. of opera mm-hmm. music in it. Mm-hmm. And it's hardly ever done, but it's like Appalachian opera music. Wow. Yeah, it's like yeah. really haunting and really beautiful. Oh. Yeah. Um, I love I love that score. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever that show, but... <laughs> well, it out there, your universe. chances are a lot better now. <laughs> I love how deeply everyone laughed on that. Well, it's like, true. Knowing I mean, that, you're knowing putting that it I, out to, into the you, you universe. You never know what you know? happens. You know? I mean, I go back to the, you know, just looking at your stuff, the Sweeney Todd, I mean, that's, it, it's, you know, the atmosphere is what's so beautiful about that. And it is that dark and it's sort of mystery and, you know, there's a sense of, you know, um, it's like a rich, rich, well, not scary. poor, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, layered and right. Mm. But it's nice because, you know, when you look at a set like that, I mean, you see through it. I mean, it is a set. It's not a movie. You know, you don't have all the rest of the things that go with it. You know, the, the scene, you know, you're focused on one area, you know, and then you're, you know, the way that composition happens is through lighting, you know, a lot, right. you That's know, right. And that's how it directs you. So I, I find that really interesting that you've got one point of focus, 
you know, and how you kind of, you know, look at that project and how can you guide a person visually through that? Right. Yeah. You know, well, that's, and, and the depth of it too, you know? Right. And that design is what you, we would call a unit set, meaning that it doesn't move. So mm-hmm. lots of people would probably design Sweeney Todd and they would have some pieces come and go. And we kind of, I mean, I was really interested in this world looking like it had been sitting here decaying for mm-hmm. a yeah, very long time. Yeah, and it does time. look like that. Mm-hmm. And so it was important that there's was sort of a, a really static nature to that design. Like it has just like been under the elements rotting uh-huh. for a long time. So yeah, um, it, it, the challenge with that show is how to like fit in all the scenes and do what you're describing of like moving people's eye around and using the depth and all the levels and layers of the design to can make it continue to reveal itself. Mm-hmm. So it didn't feel like, oh, I've been looking at the same stage mm-hmm. picture for right. two hours. It's like, oh, I didn't know there was going to be this like parlor scene over here. And oh my gosh, now they're in the... Um, you know the the basement where they're where they're grinding up the bodies or whatever. Yeah, you know, there's exactly. all these like <laughs> many many creepy places. Um, and you know now these people are sort of walking the streets of London, and suddenly you're sort of you know in this yeah. sort of world of street lamps and fog, and you know it just kept transforming based on how we lit it. Right, I love that, and and that's something that we talk a lot about is that how your brain kind of fills in some of the blanks too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean you can you can look at that set. You know, and one minute you're walking the streets, the next minute you're you're grinding up, you know, things in the basement. <laughs> you know, but it's all static, and that's what you know. That is the interesting part to to see a piece like that. You know, and and I would think that's the interesting part. You know, to design something solving, like that right? too. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's quite interesting. Yeah, well, I always say that. You know. Um, the the set design is like totally incomplete without the other thing so like when i'm finished with my design there should be um, a lot left to kind of add to the picture Mm -hmm. so you know the the lighting design sort of has volume in a way and also like the actors obviously have volume so if there's not really room for them visually in the design then i've totally fucked up right um can i say that yes yeah you can say you can say that or shit or there's a few i'm just gonna i mean i go through the whole list of other words that are i just mark everyone explicit i don't even know anymore (laughs) right no we're not we're not gratuitously uh, yeah so you fucked up or you didn't fuck up because you gave them space well no i guess i'm saying like the the focal point of the design should be the the performers Mm -hmm. not this there shouldn't be a focal point on the set that is upstaging the actors right right so you know, making room for them in the design so that they are the most powerful thing in the space is the goal. Mm-hmm. Again, this is how I know you're not an architect because you're saying that your art doesn't need to take precedent over other people's art. You're all part of the same. And it's for humans. Yeah. Yes. Right. yeah I yes. love it. I love it. It's a collective. That's great stuff. So, uh, so you have been uh, now, I'm going to guess, 14 years a resident. 15 years a resident of Minnesota. Longer than that. 17. 17 17. years. Mm -hmm. I just threw a number out. I knew it was, I knew it was in the teens. You were very close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you, do you feel connected to Minnesota? I do. Are you ready to abandon this cold, miserable, dark, No, I feel. Humid. (laughs) (laughs) Humid. Oh, wait. Wait. Yeah. Well, now it is. Now it's overly hot. one muggy day. I know. Yeah. Um, no, I feel really connected, and it's funny because I think uh, being an artist here, I feel uh, the support for arts here is just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm really proud of the kind of, you know, artistically minded and artistically supportive community that we have. I think within the theater community um, specifically, it's a really, um, 
connected community. It is. It's really rich. Yep. It is. And I think people celebrate each other's triumphs a lot. It's mm. not hyper competitive in a way that I think exists in some other sure. theater towns. Um, but I would also say that like, you know, having that realization I was talking about earlier where I kind of got my bearings here after moving here and kind of realized like I was a little lonely mm-hmm. and hadn't really like mm-hmm. established my own, um, <laughs> you know, thing here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that that was a hard, that was a little bit of a hard phase for me. And when I finally really uh, established my own group and started to really build some close friendships, I think it being on the other side of that now, I feel like making this my home has been like hard earned. And mm-hmm. so yeah. I'm really hesitant to like give it up because mm-hmm. I, I feel like um, I really feel connected here. Yeah, I really have a strong community here and I don't want to start over because it's, you know, well, it's that's really uh, that's sort of what led me into that question. It, there's a there's a certain way so there's the minnesota nice right mm-hmm. and i think everyone i mean it's hard to deny that minnesotans are very pleasant and i'm i happen to be one of them and jim's one and i don't mean that i'm pleasant nor is jim pleasant that's not what i'm saying what i mean is that <laughs> i'm wondering where this I, is I going i'm starting to get nervous actually well you should be <laughs> Sarah's no, it's, definitely it's one of nervous. those circuitous <laughs> things of course no but but when you first move here i think everyone's going to be polite to you that's that's just kind of a given but i think this is a really tough nut to crack to get into like to actually become a part of the community. And I'm wondering if after 17 years, this is what I was thinking was like, I'm sort of trying to gauge like, are we ready to accept you? Yet? You know, like, like Minnesotans are. If we th- could decide by the end of this podcast. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that's how difficult Minnesotans are. Like, well, now we know where this is going. 17 years, you say, like, all right, I think maybe you can finally be one of us, I guess. Do you feel, you feel like you're one? You feel like that, you got through that, that hoop of fire a long time ago. I, you know, I like to say that I'm not from around here. Yeah. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> right. I'm not giving that up. That's, but no, that, I mean, I'm solid. there enough. I, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, but I, I'm very proud to be living in this state and living in this Twin Cities it's area. A, it, yeah, right. I well, that's a, a notch. Around. That's on the, that, I'll put that in the positive column. For you, you're very proud to live here. Hey, I've traveled around the United States that, and visited lots of cities, and yeah. I often am like, I'm living in the right place. Damn, yeah, it, it, you know, there's something. Great. Paul, nice Jim places. and I were talking about this when we were we went to Art World, and there was gobs of people all over. And I've been on the East Coast for a long, long time before I came back here. And um, I said the one thing that's going to save this city from being overrun by everybody else, like places <laughs> like Austin and um, Nashville and whatnot, where they're right. just have so much overcrowding and in infrastructure, but it's the cold. Yeah, it's going to keep a lot of people away, which I actually don't mind. You know, mm-hmm. so, so this is our opportunity as podcast hosts, what? as a Minnesotan podcast. To remind people of how desperately and deathly cold it is here, ninety nine percent of the time. Desperately cold. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Unless you, because <laughs> I don't want like it's such a cool today city and now. It's, it's really like, hot and muggy. <laughs> well, so you're not being sponsored by the tourism board, I take it. Uh, well, no, <laughs> not in this one. <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, we were hoping for. Do some. not move to Do Minneapolis, St. Paul. It's terrible. Are. Minnesota, awful cold. You wouldn't like it here. 
it's like having your favorite bar be overrun by right. the people who aren't your favorite people. You know, like it, we don't it want is. It you. Is. We'll keep you. So it's like living in Northeast right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I can only imagine. You know, I didn't. This isn't my my part of town. It's like Crystal's been his his hometown has changed dramatically. He wants it back to the days of little oh little Jimmy on his BMX, <laughs> throwing bottles at cars, people, cars and shit. That's horrible. I don't know what he's talking about. Why? Well, I, I know the BMX part, but yes, many. Let's let's bring it back here. The, I to mean, it, it is. Yeah. Okay. So the theater community is wonderful. I mean, the Guthrie alone is is pretty spectacular. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, we have a huge, thriving community here in the arts, especially theater. I think is so strong. I, I'm pretty sure the statistic is that we have more theaters per capita than yes. any other city but New York. Oh, right. I did not yep. know I think that. that that is right. Okay. So yeah, for the population, we are. Yeah, so, we have so a fact checker that'll check with, you on that. Yeah, and not only do we have that, <laughs> right. but then the way it's accessible here in the Twin Cities is amazing too. I mean, that's like when we we're talking about the dance during the. You know, I mean, like there's so many venues here to see great performances. You right. know, at different great, scales and different scales, different price points. Yep. I mean, I think it's really pretty amazing city. So I I love living here, and I love the fact that we have people like you in here that are you know producing things mm-hmm. for us you know so that we can take advantage of it yeah you know yeah. it's quite nice there's a lot to see i have a hard time getting to all the things that are yeah. on my radar it's just i could yeah i'd have to go out every night of the week some I, people do mm-hmm. some people yeah do there do is that. i mean there, there is there is a between music theater mm-hmm. art and, and art i mean there's so I mean, many there's a lot of art too i mean there's not a lot of mainstream galleries necessarily but there's a lot of alternative um you know things There's that a lot are of younger here people too. doing it makes art. it cool because it's yeah. affordable quotes to live here and to kind of build a life here it used is, to be until we told people how nice well, it was well that's what i'm saying don't come here but, i mean <laughs> okay well but, we got back to that well sorry <laughs> okay i feel like it's sort of my responsibility since kate you came in here and we didn't really we didn't give you a lot of anything to go off of when we started this we are 40 one minutes into this i don't know if you have other things you need to do i didn't want to stop the conversation because this has been so incredibly fun um but i but i want to give you the opportunity you can leave us if you need to we don't we don't have any captive here i think we have to do a second podcast on location so we can see all of your yeah, yeah I think that would be really fun. The, oh, you mean like wouldn't that be like fun? we go to it's you, just down the street? Kate. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Oh, that would be tons of fun. What, but we should would we do that in your studio or would we do that in a space that you're designing? The studio. Either way, we either way. I want to go yeah. to the studio. You want to go to the studio? If we timed it when I'm when I have Bernarda Alba going in mm-hmm. at the Ritz, we could do half of the podcast at my studio and half done, at the done. Theater. That's what that we're doing. That would be so fun. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, That'd the thing great. is, we we are entirely mobile, and yeah. you know, this isn't a high budget podcast or anything. But um, Gosh, don't say that. It's totally budget it looks very uh, fancy to me <laughs> well the truth is we didn't know what we were getting into but um it is growing rapidly and people do we these conversations need to happen i didn't know of your existence thank goodness for my friend sam he's just such a nice guy and i know he was i think he worked as a set builder for a while and i think oh, cool. that's why he's so interested in all of it mm-hmm. um and i i guess i should tell you that uh you have to say yes to the denver museum of 
nature and history. No, what I forget. I, and no, you don't have to say yes. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, those guys are cool. No, one thing I do want to tell you guys about that I'm interested in trying to figure out, and I've been thinking about this the last few years, is how to sort of get these two worlds that I work in more connected. Like, I think that there's, you know, some things that theater um, sensibility could bring to museum experiences mm. in terms of being more experiential. And, and, and maybe there's some ways that museums can impact um, well, that almost the theater makes sense world immediately, as well. But, as you said it. Well, we yeah. have some wonderful connections that we can in- introduce you to. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. We just, Jill was just here recently, mm-hmm. and I, I was thinking about this even when on, upon your arrival today. I was wondering, you know, we'll talk about that later. Okay. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, I think, you know, I I'm, I really have my feet sort of firmly planted in both of these worlds, and I just keep thinking, like, some Fantastic. of this stuff just needs to, like, touch yeah, more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, so, that's see. really fun. And yeah, you're, you're so. sincerely, we're going to have, we've got a, we'll have to set a date, but we're coming into your studio then, and then going to that other Raise place. Raise the studio, the, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the way he goes in that other place. I don't remember. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I, feel All right. like, I feel like the someone, odd man out, because I never go to this place. guy off today. Oh, he's the one that controls everything, so I know. I know. we're just No one well. knows that he's got the, he's got all the controls over. I'm just not that cultured. Don't oh, worry. Sam. You're just right. fine. You're Let's just, just fine. all right. It's fine. Okay. We all it's balance fine. each other out. Okay. It's fine. I know. All right. I get it. I get it. I'm just, you know. It's okay. Anyway. Kate, thank you for coming <laughs> thank in you, today. Kate. Wait, thank you, Kate. Wait, wait, wait. You can't just say thank you and send her on her way. Is there, is there anything? You got to give a plug that, for your Yeah. Is there anything that you would website. like to plug that's current? That's that's current and relevant that would, that would show up in this podcast that you really needed, thought you needed to talk about? I don't think I have anything okay. imminently about to open. Do you have a website? I does, do. And we will make sure and link it okay. for and, everybody. And would you like to say the name of it for us? Sure. Or the, the it's address? www.ksjdesignstudio.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank Great. You. I mean, that's just one of the little things that we have to make sure we get in. So, all right. We good? Yeah. Thanks, you guys. I, I, Thanks, I think Kate. we're good. They all look at me. We're good. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Thank you so much for coming in. Bye. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.